This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Knowledge at Wharton on Business Radio. Here's your host, Dan Loney. Well, expecting a raise this year? Well, maybe you should expect to see a hefty bonus instead. A recent survey by Aon Hewitt showed that companies are leaning more towards performance-based bonuses rather than a pay raise, as they want to see what you've done to earn that extra money. Ken Abosh is the North American Compensation Practice Leader for Aon Hewitt, and he joins us on the phone from Cannonsburg, PA. Meanwhile, here in the studio, Yvonne Barenke, who is an associate professor in Wharton's management department is here joining us as well. We'll start to congratulate, or I should say good morning to both of you, and we'll start with uh, with Ken, who joins us on the phone. Ken, let, let's delve into the, the survey that you did and kind of, I guess, start with explaining the criteria and how this all came about. Sure, and, and good morning to everybody. Um, so this is the 38th year that Aon Hewitt has conducted this survey. Uh, we go out to um, clients organizations in the U.S., and we do a global equivalent of this study as well, uh, and collect data in the June and July timeframe. So it's very recent um, and up-to-date information. And this year's study captured data for about 1,064 organizations um, in terms of salary increases, what they're doing this year and what they're projecting for next year, as well as um, variable pay or bonus uh, spending and projections. It's not that companies are, are stopping pay raises altogether, but but apparently from the numbers you're you're finding that the pools of money for bonuses are on the rise, correct? That's correct. I mean, we've been uh, seeing some improvement on the salary front since the uh, deep recession we had in 2008, where we, we saw the lowest record um, levels of spending on salaries, which were at 1.8%. So we've we've had a little bit of a recovery there now uh, creeping up to about 2.93% where we think it's going to stay for a while. The real, the real storyline, as you're pointing out, is the um, spending that's been happening on the variable side or the bonus side of the equation with organizations this year spending 12.7% of their payrolls on these type of arrangements, which is the highest um, we've seen in the 38 years that we've been doing this study. So really, why are we seeing such a sharp increase in, in all these bonus pools? Well, I think there, there's a number of factors, and certainly the, the strengthening economy and, and somewhat tightening uh, job market uh, is helping. But, uh, you know, some of this has been trending for a while um, due to things like organizations uh, trying to shed as much fixed cost from their cost structure as possible and, and uh, so a greater affinity toward variable expenses uh, salaries represent a fixed cost and, and have a compounding effect, whereas uh, bonuses are really a lump sum payout, which which has a one-year impact only on the balance sheet. So I think that's that's a big factor. Um, and then there are other reasons around, uh, you know, motivating employees, shaping their behaviors, creating better alignment, and and also the fact that shareholders and analysts really like seeing employees have skin in the game. 
Avon, you mentioned, uh, actually had commented about this, and one of the things you brought up is the fact that if we are going to see more bonuses being given out uh, to employees, that the bonuses really need to be structured properly, correct? Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you for having me. It's my first time here. I'm very excited to be here. Um, I'm a labor economist. When, whenever I look at incentives or payment structures, um, I always wonder whether they might entice one party or another, either the employer or employee, to behave really in a way just to maximize the pay yep. or to minimize the pay in the case of the employer or really to maximize value. So I, I actually, if I can, I would like to ask directly a question back. If, if, the, if you know uh, what they want to base their variable pay on, my, more specifically, what one, one would hope that they pay them based on real effort or performance rather than payment for luck because we know from past research that um, CEOs in particular have often been rewarded much more for luck than for their actual effort and their ideas. Ken, so, yep. Yeah, so so first of all, I couldn't agree with you more that that pr structuring these uh, arrangements properly is critical. And, and while I do think that many organizations um, are structuring these in a way that makes sense in driving the business, th there can certainly be improvement made in a lot of organizations. So, so I would agree with that. The, the number one issue that I think um, uh, is an area of uh, opportunity for organizations here is to create, um, like you said, uh, metrics that are really focused on performance as opposed to factors that are not controllable. And in our, in our vernacular, we, call it, we refer to that as line of sight. And so pushing metrics and measures all the way down in the organization um, are, that employees can actually control an impact is, is the number one factor in making these plans effective uh, and making them a good uh, investment for, for shareholders. We're talking with uh, Ken A. Bosch, who is a part of the Aon Hewitt organization, and also for with Ivan Baranke, who is a uh, associate professor here at the Wharton Management School. And we're talking about the uh, the push, maybe more right now, for companies to give bonuses out than they will give pay raises. It's a little bit of a different uh, viewpoint uh, from uh, from both sides, from the company's perspective and from the employee's perspective as well. If you want to join us in the conversation, one eight four four Wharton one. 844-942-7866. Maybe you're somebody that uh, has had a bonus rather than a pay raise in the last couple of years. We'd like to hear what uh, what you think about uh, this whole process. Uh, so in terms of, of this money, Ken, where is all of this extra money going into the bonus pools coming from? That's a, that's a tremendous question. I think predominantly uh, the money is coming from results and from performance. And and we know that because we ask uh, organizations to tell us about their confidence in their ability to achieve uh, or exceed their objectives um, that they've set for these plans. And so about two-thirds of, of our participants are telling us that they uh, met all of their expectations, all of the, all of the requirements. And actually about 18% are telling us that they exceeded them by 10% or more. So there's very good performance out there um, and one of the things that's attractive about these plans is that it's a pay-as-you-go type of approach if you don't have the performance then you don't have the funding and shouldn't be paying anything out and so so that's the primary focus or primary sources is, is uh, performance and results um, 
in some cases also there is um, a retrenching of salary spending, which is kind of what we're seeing reflected in our study as well, the fact that uh, we haven't seen a recovery to pre-2008 levels of spending on salaries. And some of that is because that's been diverted into a more flexible form of pay for for performance, i.e. these bonuses. I I guess, Yvonne, that that this is something that in some respects we should kind of expect it because of the fact that you, if you're a company, you want to see excellent performance from your employees month after month after month and to be able to give them that thank you monetarily on the on the other end instead of just factoring in okay well no matter what kind of job you do you're going to get a three percent or three and a half percent or four percent pay increase yeah i think that's uh that that argument is certainly valid and i think one should also think about what kind of companies you want to be and that also determines what kind of contracts you offer i think what i found really interesting as as can explained very, very clearly here is that the base salary hasn't really moved all that much. It basically kept in pace with um, interest rate or a bit more. And when, when, when I, as a labor economist, look at payment structures that are offered or accepted by employees, to me it often reflects you know, who has more bargaining power at this point in sure. time. And if it were the case that the job market really picked up very, very strongly across the board, then we should see um, a strengthening of the base pay. Instead, what we see is these um, performance-related pay, which basically um, gives out a lot of money to those who performed the best. Yeah. And that really reflects that, they, that the employers uh, have uh, more power at the point in time. But you mentioned as well a moment ago about how a lot of CEOs in past years have, have uh, received performance bonuses when a lot of times the numbers did not show that they that the company performed as well as it should have, yet they still got the bonus. It was almost like it was written into the contract that no matter what, as long as I'm tenured with this company, I'm going to get X amount of bonus on an annual basis. Yes, and I think what we see now is that as we know from from all these apps and um, you know the financial investors are very sophisticated when it came to data analysis what i'm really curious to see now going forward is whether the employers are also very sophisticated in really going through the data mm-hmm. um, to really filter out whether the performance can be related to their to their effort rather than luck because otherwise we are back to a situation where employers are basically rewarding gambling yeah. Um, and uh, and people are performing well just because they were in the right place at the right time, and other employers are chasing them too as if they would have some luck attached to that. And, sure. And that can be a dangerous spiral. So I think what companies, I hope, are doing is being very sophisticated in their data analysis. Well, and Ken, a part of your survey is uh, tied to the retention or companies trying to retain employees who do very well, correct? Yes, I mean that both attracting um, you know new talent to the organization, but also certainly wanting to hold on to uh, their best talent that they have now. Yes. Yeah. Uh, is is this a trend that is going to continue to grow here in the next couple of years? Because it seems like companies, as we're coming out of the recession, companies are having success. Uh, they're able to manage the bottom line better, and if they can do that with these types of performance bonuses. It, it would seem to be that this is something that's going to continue for quite some time. I think that there's no question that, that um, we've seen a, a shift in mindset here over the last 10, 15 years in particular, and, and I'll give you a figure in a moment that sort of reinforces that, 
that would suggest that uh, that um, pay for performance is really all around uh, bonus now and not so much around um, uh, salary increase. And and there's we can just even look to a very simple economic um, uh, reason for that, which is salary expenses, um, first of all, represent about 77% of an organization's total labor costs. Labor costs as a, an expense category for many organizations, and it's going to vary depending on what industry type, but uh, they're going to represent a number one, two, or three expense category for the organization. And so you give somebody $100 in salary, and that $100 is a fixed cost, which is going to compound because you're going to give another $100 or $110 next year on top of that. And so that that is, you know, going to create um, a significant fixed expense challenge for the organization. And and companies have shed as much fixed costs as they possibly can, and are not going to want to relinquish that very easily. So variable pay is obviously going to give a lot more flexibility. And just to put that in perspective, if we just look back um, 10 years ago, so we were seeing. Uh, companies spending 3.6% on salaries then versus the 3% today, mm-hmm. and only 11.4% on bonuses uh, versus the 12.7 today. But if we look back another 10 years before that, it's very stark in terms of the contrast because we saw 4.1% being spent on base salaries in 1995 and only 6.5% being spent on variable, so half of where it is today. Yvonne, what do you, in terms of the students that you're dealing with, I, I would imagine that they have a certain expectation when they come out of college, but you have to almost, in some respects, temper what they expect going, you know, when they leave the Wharton School here and go out into the into the real world because of what we've come from, from the recession and, and what we're going to see here in the next few years? I think what I teach my, my, my students is that they should not only focus on, you know, the base package that they receive, you know, the signing bonuses and relocation bonus, whatever they get, and yeah. the base salary, but they should really look carefully at the expectations of the company and how well, realistically, they will be able to do in one contract versus another. Because there there is variation, even within the same industry from one bank or from one investment company to another. So I encourage them really to look in detail and... Yeah like simulated through in their mind whether they can do better in one environment in one contract versus another. And it's, uh, I think that's that's a shift in mindset. And I, I think Ken is really stark in what you report in terms of data because students still have this uh, most, more focus on the base compensation and don't really necessarily think through the details of what it will mean for them at the end of the year when bonus uh, payout time decisions come about. But is, is some of that from just being out in the workplace and, and kind of getting a feel for, for how it works? I mean, it's one thing when, you're, when you first get into that job, uh, because you're so new most of the times, having just coming out of college, that you, you it takes you a little while to kind of get that understanding and get that feel for how that whole that whole process works. Yes, I think experience uh, is, is something you, is hard to replace. That is yeah. true. However, what I know from my students is that uh, apart from being in the classroom, they spend most of their time networking and right. reaching out to people, their friends through the networks who have been already working in a number of companies and asking, so what does this really mean? What are the expectations and 
what do, what kind of a personality will do well in one context versus another and i think that's that's the key that's the easiest way actually to learn more about whether a company and a contract will be a good fit for them ken this is a, a trend that in looking at some of the articles about this subject and and looking at some of the other data that a, a lot, I guess a lot of people figure that this is something new that's really happened because of the recession. But companies have been trying to go to this type of, of platform for some time, even before the recession, correct? Yeah, actually, I refer to this as sort of a quiet revolution because it's it's really kind of snuck up on a lot of employers. And, and um, it, But if you look at the data or if you've been tracking it, as I have been, you know, um, you could see the trend uh, emerging 10, 15 years ago, even you know, well in advance of of uh, the recession. So it's not just a knee-jerk reaction. Um, and, in, and in fact, the level of spending on variable pay really didn't get uh, impacted much by this last recession, even though the salary side of the equation did, which, again, I think reinforces the fact that this was uh, basically uh, um, – a response by organizations to really cut their their fixed costs, but a, a increased willingness now, in particular with with a record level of spending this year and projected for next year, that they're willing to spend more in total, but they want it they want more control and more flexibility in what form that takes. Are are there specific sectors uh, of the economy that we're seeing this happen more so than than others? Yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, variable pay opportunity, you know, so these are the Kind of the industry segments that you'd want to be thinking about for employment. So first of all, energy, which which we define as kind of the oil and gas segment, um, leads everybody by a, a wide margin. Um, so they're spending 19% on average versus the 12.7% that we talked about earlier. But other other industry categories that are leaders would include uh, insurance, in particular, life and health insurance companies. Uh, the entertainment, uh, communications industry, and even uh, industrial machinery and equipment. I, I would think the entertainment industry would, and as you mentioned, would be way up there, considering the fact that how much uh, we rely on the entertainment industry, even more so than we did 20 years ago because of the the growth of the Internet and, and companies like Netflix and, and all those type of opportunities. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be getting reflected here that, you know, and as, as we've talked about a few minutes ago, hopefully you see a correlation here between performance results and, and reward as opposed to um, some uncontrollable um, circumstance. Ivan, as you mentioned, students have, I guess, kind of a perception when they, when they leave school and, and head out. Do you hear back from uh, from former students that that a couple of years down the road that oh, I, I finally got it? I understand about it's not just about the base pay. It's more you know about the other parts to the to the entire package. Uh, is, is there a a timing that you you have kind of seen that it takes them a year, two years, whatever it might be, to kind of really kind of get it? I well, I think. The students I see, some of them have had an experience already, and they, as you as can explain, this has been a trend uh, recently. So they they knew what it really meant. But I think in the past, these bonuses were even though they were variable pay, they expected them to receive them. Yeah. And now what we see, however, is that uh, companies have been able to become much more aggressive in 
whom they can give the money to. So the good news in some sense is that if you think you can make it and you have the talent, there's there's a lot of money out there for you. Sure. But you have to be really careful. But the cycle, I think, for people who are kind of new to this, is actually one or two years where they really re- where it kind of dawns on them. Now, can it be in reverse? We're talking about how uh, for those people that really do their job well, there is a lot of money out there potentially for bonuses. Can it work in reverse for those people that are on the other side of this where we could potentially see more people losing their jobs because of the fact that the other people are doing so well. Yvonne, do you think that's a possibility? Oh, oh, so I thought I, um, that's a good question. And, um, you know, if if the company really is dedicated to keep the uh, tight control of uh, how much money they want to spend on, right. on their talent, it can really mean that um, shelling out more money on bonuses will crowd out uh, other people elsewhere. And uh, given that these employment Situations are often quite flexible, so they companies can grow or, or shrink as, at at ease. This this could happen, but uh, I think we are we see a slow upswing, and I would forecast that even though um, the base pay is still flat, um, it historically at least has been growing with a certain lag after after recovery. So sure. I would forecast that in three four years we would see a, a stronger strengthening of the base pay too. How much how much do you think it could potentially grow? Are we talking 5% over this time period? Um you know historically that has been kind of the ballpark figure. So with with a one two three year lag, mind you nowadays sure. the cycles have become uh, much more much faster. With a one to three year lag you see a strengthening of around 5 to 6%. And um, and and that might re- stabilize the ratio because what it will reflect is that the employers have a, a, a somewhat more bargaining power, yeah. and that will reflected be reflected in the contracts they get. Can some of the numbers that also uh, Aon Hewitt put out in this survey uh, reflect that th- that there is a, a a level of the increases that is affected by where you are in, in terms of the country, where where you're living right now? Yeah, and I think. So that's certainly the case, um, and it's more city by city than I would say it is, you know, regional sure. in nature. Uh, probably being driven mostly by the mix of businesses in those particular locations. So, f- so for example, who's on the high end and who's on the low end? We actually have uh, Denver uh, leading uh, all cities at 3.5 percent, followed closely by Houston, and then Los Angeles is um, right behind. And uh, at 3.2 percent. So, those the first two, Houston and Denver, in particular, are, are influenced by the energy sector, okay. with Denver, you know, being the fracking capital of the world, and and also a, an emerging technology sector in Denver as well. Um, you know, who's who's surprising us by kind of trailing would be uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Milwaukee, and and surprisingly New York, which which. Um, People raise their eyebrows when they hear that because of the cost of living, but uh, we focus on cost of labor here versus cost of living, and since there's sufficient supply of labor in the New York metropolitan area, there's no real pressure to increase spending on salaries there. I, I didn't even think about Denver in terms of fracking, but Houston, I guess, doesn't surprise me, uh, having been to Houston uh, in the last few years, uh, about the growth uh, of that city, just the, the numbers of people that are moving into that area and the the infrastructure, the changes that they've made. So I guess Houston really shouldn't be a surprise. 
it's not a surprise. And, and you know, then when we look at the energy sectors leading the pack in yeah. terms of uh, bonus spending and even salary increase spending, they're also leading the pack there. So, um, you know, if, if I was advising someone who was thinking about a career and money was their top agenda item, that's, <laughs> that's where I'd be pointing them. But hey, you know what? Nobody cares about money in this day and age, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Thank you very much for coming on, uh, Ken. I greatly appreciate it. I know you're out near Pittsburgh, so uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes on the show today. Happy to join you. Great. Thank you very much. Ken Abosh, as we mentioned, who is with Aon Hewitt, the North American Compensation Practice Leader. Uh, interesting, I'll, Yvonne, I'll throw you one more question before we leave, is that where do you kind of see this going over the next few years in terms of... of of bonus structure is this going to continue to be a big part of what is going to draw people to specific companies because of the potential of the higher bonuses because i would imagine this is information that somehow some way people will find out about yes i think um, as i said earlier i i predict that in, in a, with a certain lag in a couple of years uh, you know the base pay will strengthen and we will see whether the bonus component will stay at the 12.7 percent as as it currently is but I think the, the broader question often for companies is what kind of a workplace they want to offer. Sure. Um, if you offer a very individualistic, high-powered incentive structure where you reward individuals for their performance, that often could hurt, um, you know, cooperation um, and, you know, the team spirit that uh, that could be very conducive in, in certain industries. So yeah. if you really want people to work together, to be innovative, creative, and just, you know, be able to to be uh, to enjoy being in the workplace, then you know these high-powered incentives could could be a drawback. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, uh, you know people may often feel that they don't want to uh, you know uh, pull along others who uh, who seem to um, not uh, give it uh, give it all in yeah. the workplace. Be lagging and, behind. Yeah. And so and those individuals who are actually very talented and very dedicated. Um, can command uh, very competitive salaries, and uh, and employers are very keen to attract and retain them. Yeah. Um, I know from my research that you know um, when you look inside a company, this is a fact that employers often don't really tell you. But if you look inside a company and look at the individual level productivity, it is very very skewed, meaning that. Uh, a small fraction of the employees really um, generate the bulk of the value sure. inside a company, and uh, and employees who know their wo their worth, um, together with additional information and data from other companies, can put pressure on the employees sure. and uh, get these contracts. And, and a lot of this is is on the individual themselves, the personality that they have, because. You're going to have a, a mix of different personalities in every company that yeah. you have. Some of those people are going to be that more aggressive, driven type personality, and some yeah. are not going to be. And I think for the for the firms, it will be the question on how they how they balance these these conflicting forces. Sure, you know, yeah. Make it a nice uh, cooperative environment, but also feel the pressure from the you know the the, the highest talent. Uh, uh, people in the workplace that they want stronger co compensation, stronger yep. bonuses. So it will be interesting to see how they negotiate this path in the future. Great. Thanks very much for coming in. Ivan Baranke, who, as we mentioned, is uh, here at the uh, Wharton School in the Management Department, Associate Professor, uh, joining us here to discuss uh, the battle between, or I should say the question between raise or bonus. And uh, we'll see how this all plays out in the next couple of years uh, with many, many more companies.
For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.